Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, the radio show all about traveling like a boss by being your own boss. Stay tuned for weekly interviews featuring guests that have built their own online businesses. If you would like to have access to our entire back catalog, visit travellikeabosspodcast.com for instant access. And here's your host, Johnny SD. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Johnny, and welcome to episode 125 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. Where are we and who we with? <laughs> well, those are two good questions. I know who we're with. Uh... So this is Sam Marks. I'm sitting no more than two feet across a very tiny room in Burgas, Bulgaria from Johnny sharing a hotel room. So this episode is on how not to travel like a boss <laughs> because <laughs> I am currently without luggage for five days. And well, I don't know. What else is not bossy about what we're doing? Not being able to order dinner because we can't read the language here. That's true. <laughs> but all these things are they're they're fun they're they're annoying they're they're not bossy as in luxury or as in comfort yeah they kind of suck yeah i mean johnny and i had to sit in this these really small seats on a bus it was about seven hour bus side by side we couldn't move seats but it was absolutely beautiful you know the people were nice they were quiet there was we're passing a wine country the whole way there and then we arrive at this pretty amazing beachside town that i didn't even know really existed until like a few months ago so i guess that's bossy yeah i like it so in this episode i want to just kind of catch you guys up i know i haven't uh recorded one this week it's because I've been so busy traveling around Bulgaria, and this is so different than the way I normally like to travel. I normally like easy plan routes in countries that speak decent English with good infrastructure, and this is entirely new for me. And if it wasn't for Sam and his crazy ways, there's no way I would have signed up for this. Well, I think... <laughs> I think this has always actually been kind of a dream trip for me because I think it's one of those trips that if you don't do it now, you're not going to do it. There's there's not as much appeal to do this in your 40s or 50s. It's kind of like going to Central America. It's awesome. It's got an edge to it. There's just a really great experiences that can you, you can have there. And it's because there's a little bit more ridge, uh, risk and a little bit more edge. I think it's the same with Eastern Europe. But uh, I know that you thought I was going to have this all kind of planned down to a T. But I think this is the perfect trip that you just go and you just figure shit out and, you know, you fly by the seat of your pants and, and then that's where the better experiences happen. I like it. So this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about Bulgaria, what we think of it so far, uh, as well as kind of explore some some ways and tips on how we kind of figure it out. What do you do when you're in a country that nobody speaks English? The characters are in this cryptic uh, Sicilian alphabet that nobody can read unless you're Bulgarian. uh, When there are no buses or direct routes or trains or even planes to the next destination you want to go to, when you can't figure out how to order food you can't figure out the currency you can't figure out anything how you could still enjoy the crap out of it because i can safely say i had an amazing day today i think it's one of the best days i've had in years and back to your point about the the cryptic language honestly this is probably the only country outside of inland china that i've been to that literally almost nobody speaks english and none of the signs have english translation like even in japan i mean people it's a little bit easier to get around here. It can be, it could be damn hard to figure it out. But, For example, uh, <laughs> we just uh, grabbed a bite to eat uh, just you know, near a hotel at a restaurant. Beautiful place, nice garden. We sat outside. Uh, we were able to figure out the beer menu. That was quite easy. 
and it had amazing beer for one euro, well, one dollar basically. It, less, less, like, less, less. And, and it wasn't just a beer; it was a pint of beer, a pint of beer for ninety point nine euros, right? Which is exactly one dollar. I think Which it's like ninety nine cents. I just want to say it's under a dollar. It, it is under a dollar. Ninety nine cents. And that, that includes tax. Yeah, and tip. And tip. Yeah, so it's unbelievable. I mean, you can't name another place in the world that you can do that now. But I couldn't read anything on the menu. They didn't have an English menu. There was no picture menu. So I basically had to say to the girl. And she was like 19, 20. So she is supposed to be the age where she would speak English. Because yeah. in general, you would, you know, people would say, oh, if, you know, if people under 30 all speak English. She spoke like three words. Basically, I had to motion, I'm hungry. And then she, and I said, you know, what do you have? And we had to figure out, I, like, basically the only two words I said to her was pork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And and on a, and the meal came out like exactly as you would have liked it, right? I was yeah, it was fantastic. It was so good. <laughs> so how much was our total bill? So we had we had two be- we had a beer each, yeah. a, like a, a pint of beer each. We ha- I had like a delicious French crepe that was very filling with Nutella, yeah. hazelnut. Uh-huh. Uh, I had a full meal that was grilled pork steaks that were marinated perfectly. They were amazing. Uh, some fries and some some vegetables on the side. Our entire bill, including tax and tip, was 15 Bulgarian lev, mm. which is, and you divide that basically by two. So it was less than $8. It was $7.70, which is just incredible. So anyways, we, it's a, it's very inexpensive here. And one of the, the cool things that I just really enjoyed all day today because I just flew from Singapore to Bangkok through Dubai to Istanbul. And oh my God, like you just go through those places and you're like, there's just too many people in the world. It's just not even fun anymore, right? Here, it, the population is very, is very small. There's families everywhere. It's just like you get a lot of space and there is, I honestly didn't, did not see one foreigner the entire day. It's all Bulgarians. And they're all just lovely people. So it's nice to be in a place like that for a change, right? Where there's just no foreigners. You're in their their habitat. And it's just, it's a great place because they're not corrupted and destroyed. Like their their souls are not destroyed. Like everyone in Bangkok that's got to, you know, deal with all these foreigners all day, right? So yeah, you know, cool. the crazy thing about Thailand and this, this really saddens me is Thai people are so nice. They are, you know... Their culture, their religion, their way of being just is just like a nice, honest, yeah. trustworthy, like they'll never want to harm you or scam you. But unfortunately, in places like Bangkok, Phuket, probably Paji, I haven't been there. Mm-hmm. Um, some parts of Krabi, the kind of the more, you know, any basically anywhere that, that's touristy, yeah. they become these scam artists. Yeah. These con artists, they they become mean, angry. They kind of become the exact opposite of who who their character used to be. Yeah, I, I honestly, it's 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 soul crushing, and that's why if you you know Thai people are my favorite people in the world, hands down, hands down. But if you go up to the north, places like Pai, still in Chiang Mai, but especially like some of the outside places, you find the the real traditional Thai. That are just these absolute beautiful souls. And of course, when you go down to Phuket now, Samui, especially Bangkok, I mean, they're still lovely people, but they, you go to a Starbucks, okay? I did like this experiment where I went to a Starbucks in Krabi and I just sat there and watched people order Starbucks for an hour. And these, you know, you go into Starbucks and you order a coffee, you know, like, want this, this, thank you very much, you pay, thank you, have a nice day. People go in there are just absolutely pricks to these wonderful, you know, Thai people and, 
you just think like if you had to work in that environment every day, just destroy you. And it's the same with all hospitality. You, you know, my girlfriend works in a hotel in Thailand and you sit there and watch the people come in and everyone wants to argue and complain. It's it's sad. So, I th- you know, unfortunately, major tourist hubs, they do that to people. So it's good to be in a place like this, that it's a beautiful place. It could be a massive tourist hub, but there's just it doesn't get it, it you know, so. And it's hard because there's pros and cons of bringing tourism because tourism provides money. You know, provides advancements in technology and a ton of great things to advance a culture, especially one that doesn't have much other industry uh, or wants to be able to grow. So, you know, if it wasn't for tourism in Thailand, they would lose a huge percentage of their their net income for the country. Yeah. You know, uh, all these islands that Thai people don't even like going to really, they like there would be nothing on there. It would still be farmland. So the fact that tourists do come and we do spend money is a great thing for the economy. And there's a lot of tourists that are genuinely nice, but then they get ripped off by a Thai person or the, someone's rude to them. So then they become rude back. So it's kind of like the chicken before the egg. Like who was rude first? You know, I'm sure a, there was a lot of, you know, dickheads that were drunk and just, you know, obnoxiously rude. And that's pissed off a lot of Thai people. Yeah. And then because they're pissed off, they're like, well, these guys are just, you know, uh, paychecks anyways let's try to get as much out of them as possible that pisses off the genuine good tourists and then they become mean and it's just this vicious cycle yeah unfortunately every country seems to be chasing that that gdp number and you just wonder how much you know is what does gdp really matter okay what should always matter is happiness right but how do you how do you quantify happiness right most people associate it with gdp because gdp would indicate that everyone has a higher standard of living but the two of the places i found the happiest people recently of course i always say thai people are my favorite people but i mean thailand's a little nutty right now you know there's just so much going on so much tourism everyone's moving to the city but uh bulgaria here i mean the people everywhere you go there's families playing people are happy i mean they don't speak your language but there's they're just they're very welcoming and enjoying and also thought chile and chile is you know it's, it's got a lot of similar to bulgaria their gdps aren't aren't skyrocketing they don't seem to be innovating that quickly but they're family oriented they got lots of land their populations are under control so i you know I, i'm starting to view the world a little bit differently and i know the places that i want to spend time especially after just spending so much time this year in bangkok and singapore i just don't want to really be around that that anymore it's it's kind of soul crushing in a way and all of the sin in the world is concentrated in big cities right and when you're in part of that energy it's i think it rubs off on you so i'm really i'm really starting to take to some of these these a little bit more i don't know spaced uh spaced areas i'm really looking forward to the rest of our trip because we're gonna we're gonna see some really cool spots i like it and that's a big kind of travel tip for everyone listening is the places that you've heard most about are probably already overrun by tourists and unfortunately that makes it usually way overpriced too expensive not as friendly not as authentic so think of the 10 must go places in the world and just cross them off your list for now (laughs) you know uh paris brussels those are two that (laughs) probably aren't too high on anyone's list Uh, right now but even like sydney australia london england you know bangkok thailand and there is some degree of like you need to see those places to appreciate a place like this because if the first place i came as a tourist was 
Burgess, Bulgaria. I mean, I was just thinking, like, if I brought my parents here, they wouldn't think anything of it, right? For a lot of friends here who haven't traveled much, they'd be like, this is okay. But if you go to enough places, then places like this, I think, really start to, you know, rub off in a, in a very positive way to you because you've been around, you've seen the highlights, and you've seen enough of the tourist stuff that you just want to get around some good vibes and some 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 good energy and some space, right? Yeah, that's true. And so, if you, you know, it's kind of depending on your travel experience. I would say if you are, have just started traveling, you know, in terms of you've been traveling for a total for six months or less or a year or less, I would say, you know what, go to a place that is like up and coming the next cool place. So even places like Budapest, yeah, you know, it's, it's not so on someone's top 10 list yep. but it'll definitely be on people's top 20 list yeah. so places like that are amazing uh vienna austria yep. you know it's not as popular mm-hmm. as you know paris france yeah. but to me it's more beautiful people are friendlier um it's just easier to get around it's not as big of a ripoff yeah i would say one of the best examples of that is croatia so i went to croatia in 2005 I had never talked to anyone I'd gone to it. We just went there on a whim and it was the greatest place I'd ever gone. And I went back recently uh, last year for Yacht Week and it was it was still great. But oh my God, it was so crowded. Like everyone's going there now, you know. If you can find those spots that are, like you said, the up and coming areas, I don't know where they would be right now. I mean, you, you mentioned a few of them that are good. Um, I think Poland yeah, it's great. I think that's an awesome, right. uh, awesome example. Krakow, Poland is amazing for tourism. Mm-hmm. Not that well, you know, it's 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 very popular with like English people, but England's not that big of a country. There's not that many Americans yet. There's not that many Australians there yet. That's still up, you know, one of those places that people are still going, and, and not just Krakow, but Warsaw and all the other cities. Mm-hmm. I would say also Portugal. Portugal, Lisbon definitely. is amazing. You know, it's up and coming. It's one of those places where you know, people, some people kind of heard about, but most people they don't put it on their first trip yeah a lot of people are talking about the baltics now so you have lithuania latvia estonia i went to the estonia in 2008 and it is a really really cool city and i uh, i I went out me and my buddy went out and we got something happened we don't remember and we got we got jumped and beat up really badly and uh woke up had a broken hand dislocated shoulder we're both black and blue and neither of us had any idea what happened so there's there's parts of the world like that that i mean that's close to russia and there's uh you know but i like places like that where there's a little bit of edge that's why i like central america so much like i can i can very rarely get anyone to want to travel to central america with me but i like it because there's an edge and because you can get in trouble it just makes the whole thing a little bit more interesting you have to be cautious and the people that you meet there like when you're traveling through honduras people you meet there they're not people that you meet in paris you know they're they're people that have a little bit of edge to them they know their way around town they're they're willing to go out and do a little bit more adventurous stuff so i think it's a good mix if you're gonna do the the, the high high tourist spots mix in a few of the little seedy underbellies as well <laughs> <laughs> i like it so let's rewind a few days of the trip because sam and i just started just met up two days ago when it was actually supposed to be you know like a few more days before that. So what happened was I went to Sofia, Bulgaria a few days before Sam was to arrive just to scout it out, just kind of do my own thing. And the first two days, honestly, I didn't like it. It, it was too seedy for me. It was too hard to communicate with people to get around. Uh, unless you eat at very touristy restaurants, you know, you basically get the same um, thing that happened today where you can't order. So you have to just point at, you know, food that's like pizza or something that you can see. So I, I didn't like that, you know, because I was so used to being in Poland for the last month where it's so easy. Everyone speaks English. You know, there's English menus. Um, it's just easier to, to get around. 
But what really kind of turned me around was instead of just being in the city, I decided, you know what? Sofia is really known for its nature. So I spent an entire day hiking up the mountain, which is just, you know, a 15, 20 minute drive outside of the city center. Beautiful place, you know, and, and that mountain you can ski on in the winter. So imagine being able to go to work and night ski 20 minutes away from your house. That's awesome. Yeah, it's supposed to be really good skiing. And uh, it was nice flying into Sofia. I'll tell you what, after the hellish trip I had from Bangkok, uh, so I, my flight got canceled in Dubai. I had to stay overnight in Dubai. They lost my luggage. Flew to Istanbul, had a long layover in Istanbul, finally got to, to Sofia, and then they lost my luggage again. Uh, but, you know, I got in late into Sofia and I woke up the next morning and looked out the window and was immediately reminded it's summertime in Europe. And I just had like since then, I've just been been uh, a really happy guy, even though it's now been five days. And just now they were finally able to locate my luggage and it's still in Dubai. So I've been, I've been <laughs> rocking around with one pair of underwear and one pair of socks. I just wore Johnny's board shorts to the beach today and found uh, some local mart to pick up some goods. But honestly, you know what's kind of cool about this whole experience is I packed this massive suitcase and now I don't even want it. I'm literally, I have two pairs of underwear, a couple pairs of socks and a borrowed bathing suit from Johnny. And you're just reminded like you don't need that much. You always overpack. I know Johnny, you just threw a bunch of shit away, right? <laughs> so, first off, sucks that sucks that you your flight was delayed by an entire day and they lost your luggage, but you made it. I was excited. I was able to go on uh, the Seven Lakes tour and on the day that you were gone, <laughs> so I got to see some cool stuff. But you inspired me when you you know how nonchalant and cool you were. Because to be honest, right when you landed and you told me your luggage was lost, I was I my immediate plan was okay. I guess we have to stay here for a few more days until your luggage comes. And I was really surprised when you said like, "What are you talking about? We're not gonna you know change our plans. We're going to, to the beach tomorrow." <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that's so irresponsible. You know how they're gonna track you down and give you your luggage back shouldn't you be sitting around worried and you're like no we're not gonna let that deter us and yeah. that that was awesome to me i, I really like I, I think that's kind of the inspiration that i needed to kind of you know look at my own situation that how maybe i'm too comfortable well let's let's look at what you were carrying and what you threw out let's do a little quick inventory of what you decided to downsize so I've been traveling this 75 liter backpack and I brought way too much crap. I, I, I think to be fair, you know, I knew I was going to be in Europe for at least three months. So I wanted kind of some niceties, right? And, you know, so I brought, you know, a ton of clothes. I brought a couple of things that would be nice to have in a, an apartment if I was going to keep it for, you know, if I was going to be somewhere. And I was just carrying this stuff around for like two months and I hardly, like I used everything like once and I thought it's so heavy and it's weighing me down. So I decided why not give some of the stuff away to people at the hostel? So just five minutes before we had to leave, I unpacked my bag that was already packed and I just took out everything that I can replace for less than, you know, less than a hundred dollars. I said, if it's something I'm not going to use in the next two months and it costs me less than a hundred bucks, I'm just going to give it away. So I had a Bluetooth speaker that uh, my sister gave me for, for Christmas. Thanks, Christina. Uh, and I knew I'm probably not going to use this. I'm not like in an apartment. I don't, I don't, I don't need fancy music. I can just play podcast, you know, on my phone. Gave that away. Uh, Flying Squirrel Outfitters hammocks. Thank you for the travel hammock. I used it once in a park. And it was awesome. But I'm probably not going to use it that often mm -hmm. uh, because I'm not in places <laughs> to yeah. use it. So I, did, I just gave it away. And, and it's perfect <laughs> at the hostel, right? Because yeah. that was a cool hostel. They'll make a nice home for it. Still like it. So thank you, uh, Flying Squirrel Outfitters, for the for the hammock. It has now been donated again. Uh, I gave 
away some clothes that you know that like wasn't fitting right and i'm just like holding on to for no reason uh a coffee maker like a drip coffee maker with the filters i'm like why do i need to make fancy coffee if i'm traveling around i like if there's a day that i can't find coffee i just won't have it so little things like that so i ended up giving away you know probably in total close to like 150 200 worth of stuff that's stuff that i'll probably end up rebuying one day mm. but the freedom of not having to carry it around for the next two months is absolutely worth that amount yeah and what else did you give away the uh, this uh the shower soap oh yeah like so body done, wash we've done fine without that you know We've done fine without. They jump in the ocean. You're good. I think another cool point that you brought up was Johnny and I are in our 30s and we're still staying at hostels, right? And we're going to now we're in a little hotel simply because there's like only one one accommodation left in Burgess. But we're going to to uh, Bucharest tomorrow and we're actually not staying in a hostel there because it was booked. But uh, but yeah, you know, it's great to mix it up. You stay in a hostel one night. You go you do an Airbnb in one place, maybe a hotel and stuff. But honestly, I think I'll be staying in hostels until I'm probably mid 40s. And I've been in hostels and made friends with guys in their 60s, right? That are still doing it. It's becoming much more of a uh, an all age type of, of group as long as you have the right attitude. You're willing to, you know. So- I've actually read that on stuff. on one of the. I think it was for Hostel Hostel where I stayed in uh, Sophia, where in the FAQ it, one was like, "What's the age limit?" Because I've seen it sometimes where they say, at, "Uh, you have to be 35 or under." And I understand why they do that because they want to have a certain atmosphere where people are having fun, people are social, people don't feel like their parents are there. So one of the reasons why I wanted to do this trip this year is I thought this is the last year I'm going to stay in hostels. But Sam actually is the one that inspired me to say, you know what? As long as you're young at heart, <laughs> you know, like why not just be social, enjoy, you know, enjoy the company. You don't have to go out and get smashed every night with them. Yeah. But, you know, just kind of like being around other travelers or, or kind of down with them, not stuffy staying in a hotel. Yeah. Uh, it, it's nice. Yeah. But what, what I don't want to become is that guy that I met at the hostel <laughs> la- right, last right, week right. where he was, I think, in his 50s or you know, like probably late fifties, and he was such a downer. I, I I talked to him over dinner because I wanted to. I figured, oh, like you know, he's in his fifties, traveling. He must be a cool guy. He must have a lot of cool stories. But he was such a downer the whole time, and I just I had to stop talking to him because you know, and there's you know this old English guy. Um, and for the rest of the next four days, I saw him every single night while everyone else was socializing, having fun. He was on one of the free use computers with his headphones in, watching a movie by himself, not talking to anyone, only staying there because it's cheap. Bizarre. And I do not want to be that guy ever. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, too, we're staying in private rooms, which I don't think I could ever go back and stay in a you know, six or eight bed or 10 bed dorm. Uh, those days are probably over. But if you stay in a private room at a hostel, I mean, often the hostels are the best place in town to hang out. They got the best bars and they organize the pub pub crawls and all the a- other activities. So yeah, we'll, we'll see where we get to. We still got, so what are the other stops along the way we have? Okay, so even before yeah. that, mm-hmm. I want to uh, say one, one last thing about hostels before we move on is it resets, you know, this is what I learned from Sam in episode 105. Uh, it resets your expectations. So the room we were staying in now was super cheap. It was like, what, 30 bucks a night? Mm-hmm. And we're spending it, so it's like 15 bucks a night each. And you get what you pay for. No, but... <laughs> 
to be honest, because I've been staying in a crappy hostel for the last four days, to me, this is a really nice room. Like, I'm super comfortable. I'm like, oh, wow, I have like white sheets, you know, that like, and I have a fitted sheet instead of like being on a bare mattress. Uh, we have like a like a nice hot shower. There's like an actual desk. <laughs> like you know, there like there's like wood on the walls and, and like there's white walls without mm-hmm. stains on it. And it really makes me appreciate this room. I like I really think this is a great room because my expectations have been totally reset from staying at a hostel for the last five days. Absolutely, and it, it, it's point in case. Same with me coming out here. I flew business class on Emirates A380 from Bangkok to Dubai, and then I flew economy class from dubai to istanbul and oh my god what what a totally different experience and i would just say this it's not necessarily the comfort of the chair it's who you're surrounded with so when you go up that next level you just surround yourself with a different group of people and you know the economy can be hit or miss you can be in good good company and you can have lots of space or you can be in horrible company and that was what it was for me i was extremely tight there was crying babies everywhere there were just rude people and it just it's just such a it's just, it's just a terrible experience right it's just like from the point you get on to the point you get off you're just a stress mess right then when I got to Sofia, because of that, if I had flown business class that like when I got to Sofia, I probably would have been like, uh, you know, eh, everything's slow, the taxi driver. But because I came into Sofia after that, I was just like, this is heaven, right? Everything's great. I'm staying in this hostel. It's beautiful. Like, you know, it, you know. so it, it's really important just to balance things out. I think for every time that you do something that's a little bit extravagant, you should just put yourself in that position of, you know, basically humble yourself, right? And then you're always looking forward to something new. I like it. So we finally arrived at the coast, Black Sea, staying in Burgos. I think uh, I'll, I'll write a Johnny's travel guide to Bulgaria. So check that out on johnnyfd.com in a few days. But basically, to sum it up, uh, if you're going to come to the coast, you probably don't want to stay in Burgas um, unless you plan on like on you know taking buses or even renting a car to explore the beach town we went to. We ended up taking a bus to. Uh, it's called what Stanzelpol or something. Sazelpol or Sazelpol? something to the south. And it was so much nicer just to walk around. It's smaller. Yeah. Like nice old, you know, old city. It's kind of what you expect to be a uh, a beach resort, but the beach is so unlike the beaches I'm used to in Asia, where they're secluded. You know, and they're you know you have the whole beach to yourself sometimes, or you know at least you don't have five trillion lawn chairs and um and umbrellas out. Yeah, it reminded me actually a lot of Croatia, a lot of Greece, a lot of similarities, even a little bit of like Ibiza, just yeah, music and it was good. It was good, but the good thing with where we're staying now, Burgas, is it's central to a lot of there's it's a central to the coast basically so you can go north 20 30 minutes to good beaches and you can go south 20 30 minutes to good beaches so if you want to base yourself here and then uh and tackle you know a couple things each day it's a good location it's good downtown too good vibes good restaurants yeah but it's nice to be a, for a city but i would say as long as it's just here for a couple of days yeah stay, stay at one, one of the resor- like beach resorts instead we ended up um getting very lucky and we met this super cool girl on the beach on our first day uh shout out to kesnia if you're listening to this she basically just showed us around and you know we hung out all day by the beaches uh and so she you know instead of us like taking like, oh, an overpriced taxi or primary rent a car she was like oh no we'll just meet at the, at this train station um you know pay two dollars and we'll get there and we went to the first beach was the one in in 
thousand powerful <laughs> how do you how do you say it uh which was super crowded but then we took another short taxi ride like a 10 minute taxi ride uh, to a place called smoky and i'll have yeah, links yeah, to the yeah. actual names of these places uh and that place was beautiful yeah that place was balling i liked it a lot unfortunately we didn't get up to the north which would have been sunny beach and uh nessie bar mm-hmm. we'll have to save that for another trip I've yeah heard good things we can um, definitely check that out but i do know for a fact that sunny beach is even more crowded and more yeah. touristy but it's supposed to be great for its nightlife another trip all right so right now it is midnight we are both laying in our underwear <laughs> on twin size beds drinking hennessy i'm drinking hennessy and you haven't touched yours I, i've been sipping on I'm mine upset no one likes to drink alone johnny and we Especially have to be at midnight up. when they're in their underwear in their bed we got to be up in six and a half hours to take a bus where i don't even know uh we're gonna go close to the, the romanian border it's called uh rus ross and it's literally on the border of Romania and Bulgaria. Um, yeah, where's that? And the reason why we're going there is, turns out there is no way to get from Burgas to our next destination, which is Bucharest. There are no flights. There's no train. How many people, <laughs> there's no bus. How many people listening do you think, if you gave them a map of the world with blank names, could pick Romania and Bulgaria? I don't know. I, I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be able to. I don't to think do we it. could have done it before. I still can't do it. I'm, I'm looking yeah. at a map right now. Yeah, um, but that'd be a good challenge. You should you should somehow come up with a graph and make that a quiz for everybody. <laughs> so right now, guys, before you look at Google Maps, try to figure out where the two places are in your head, and let us know in the in the comments. I, I bet even people in knew. Europe couldn't figure it out. No, definitely not. <laughs> so if you guys are wondering where Bulgaria and Romania are, this is legit East Europe. Uh, we're out of the EU. We're out of the Schengen area. This is pretty much as east as you can get before you get to like turkey it's, it's right in between afghanistan and iran oh is it no uh, no joking. no no <laughs> but like it's but the only thing that that separates it is, is turkey the black, is the it's, black sea and, and turkey, turkey yeah. yeah so we're pretty much right under ukraine we're east of serbia so this is super east yeah. east, east and, and at that we're as far east as you can go in the country it is yeah because we're on the black sea border um so it's it hasn't been an easy travel experience but as sam kind of alluded to earlier i'm glad i'm doing it now and not in my 40s yeah well we'll see what i think romania is going to be a tough one i I feel like there's the the gypsy scares and it just seems like bulgaria has been very straightforward i feel like the people have been nice and welcoming and it seems like honest I just, I don't know, Romania, we're going to rent a car in Romania, we're going to go, you know, we're going to have to do uh, another level of kind of maturity should probably apply there. (laughs) So I guess we're going to see, so stay tuned, Uh, we're going to do a follow-up episode uh, after our trips. Um, This is going to be a fun two weeks, so stay tuned everyone. Sam, thanks again for for staying up a little bit later and being on the show, drinking some Hennessy with me. Is this your first time drinking Hennessy? No, no. You know what? All right, here's a funny story. I'm, I'm going to share it with everyone for the first time ever. The first alcohol I've ever had at bar was Hennessy. That's nuts. And I thought that was what everyone drank at every bar. For the, because when I was 17, I met a guy on a- online on the chat room and on AOL, Bay Area Asians chat room. <laughs> <laughs> and... His name is Chris Ng. So shout out to Chris Ng. Uh, he said, hey, it's my birthday tonight. You know, why don't you come out? 
uh, I'll be at Club Era. And I said to him, I was like, hey, you know, I'm not 21, right? And he's like, don't worry about it. Just tell me my, you're my little brother. So I show up there and I, you know, this huge line. This was like the, the most happening club at the time in San Francisco. And I walk up to the front and I said, uh, hi, I'm, I'm Johnny. I'm uh, Chris, Chris, Chris's brother. And the bouncer, this big guy named CB, I think we named, was named Cheeseburger. <laughs> He's like, oh, you Chris's brother? Yeah, come on in. And we go inside, meet Chris for the first time ever in person. And we walk into the bar without even ordering or saying anything. You know, he just says, what's up? They pour us two shots of Hennessy with orange and pineapple juice uh, chaser. No, 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 sorry. It was orange and cranberry chasers. I'd like one of those right now. Yeah. And <laughs> I was like, okay, this is pretty good. And we would go upstairs. We would have that one drink. And... It was always free. We never paid for it. We'd go upstairs to this VIP room. And there'd be a big platter of fruit and fried shrimp and a bottle of Remy Martin XO. No, not XO. Uh, nice. Remy Martin VSOP, I think. And we would just sit there with like 10 guys and just like drink this Remy um, cognac, which I still don't understand. We would always have Hennessy at the bar and then a bottle of Remy. And about 20 minutes later, one guy would walk out and he would walk back in with 10 girls. <laughs> And this was my life for between like 17 and 18, never been to a bar, never been to a club. And I, I honestly thought that is what bar life is like. It's a good life. Well, what do the rappers always drink Hennessy with? Because this was this is how it got famous, right? With Robitussin. Robit? No. Yeah, I do. No, they were always like no. drinking Hennessy. With that Tussin. With what? Tussin. What's Tussin? Robotussin. No, man. I'm mixing it with Sprite or something. It's that they, were, they got that purple Sprite and, and it's like Hennessy and purple Sprite or something like that. I'm pretty sure purple Sprite is a slag right. word for, for right, Robotussin. I'm going to look it up. Purple I know they, they mix Hennessy with something. And this was my first time drinking Hennessy. And it, I so on my flight, the uh, flight to Istanbul, I was so frustrated and so spoiled after flying first class and getting drink service whenever I wanted. I got into economy and I got one drink on like a five hour flight flight and I was just fussy right so then on the next flight to Sophia I'm like I'm not doing that again so I went and bought this I don't even how big is this thing uh 20 cls you know it's like a third of a bottle and they let me take it on the flight so as soon as like as soon as I sat down I cracked it and I was just drinking this just take straight swigs out of it I'm like why don't you do this on every flight I don't have to wait for people to serve you so that's been my intro to Hennessy and I gotta say I'm a pretty big fan works all times of the day breakfast with cereal lunch with uh, a kebab and dinner wash down my my pills to uh, keep my hair from falling out and as a nice nightcap I like it. So, speaking of nightcaps, we're going to go to bed. Got to be up early for this long bus ride. Uh, Sam, thanks again for for being on the show. If you want to know more about Sam business-wise, how come he is traveling like a boss and able to basically not work at all this this last week listen to episode 105 it is titled millionaire digital nomad with sam marks and yes i am sharing a 30 dollars a night room with a multi-millionaire <laughs> uh, we also uh, if you guys haven't heard yet check out invest like a boss uh and uh, it kind of goes the same as, as saying um we're sharing a room a 30 dollars room a night so don't t- necessarily take investment advice from us but you can learn a lot by our experience and our uh, our mishaps and our successes at that. And more than that, we're talking to some of the best people in the financial world every single week to share with uh, you all the knowledge that they have. So check that out. Yeah. So I know a lot of people have heard about our new podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do so right now. Uh, even if you don't think investing is for you, if you don't have the money to invest yet, don't worry about it. 
It's just a fun journey where we are experimenting with our own hard-earned cash and figuring out what is the best way to, to grow your money truly passively with investments. So check out investlikeaboss.com or just subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts now. Uh, so see you guys all next week and peace out, right? Yeah. I like drink, it. Drink Hennessy. Drink some Hennessy for us. All right. So I want to give a quick shout out to everyone who's been taking the time to leave five-star reviews of the Travel Like a Boss podcast on the iTunes store. You guys rock. I, I think, it, I mean, we're up to hundreds, 128 t- total reviews now. 127 of those are five-star reviews. So thank you guys so much. Uh, you guys are amazing. Um, I almost have to go back two months because it's been so long. I'm just going to say your, your names, not even read the the, the reviews because there's just too many of them. Uh, JQ24, big thank you. Great source of daily inspiration motivation. Chase Haltman says, Game of Thrones of location-dependent entrepreneurs. Uh, once you start listening, you won't be able to stop until you reach the very end. And you're left craving more. Super informative, eye-opening, and motivating. I know I wasn't going to read that, but so good. Thank you for that. Wyatt Mayhem keeps you focused on your goals. And Lauder from Australia, the must listen to podcast. Thank you all. Uh, one day I'm going to actually have some time to, to go through and read all these on air. So keep them coming and I will see all of you next week. Peace out. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.